Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing. Believe it or not, this is number 80 for us. My name is Jody Jenkins. And my name is Tony Clement. Can you believe that? Number 80. It's just uh, amazing uh, that we have uh, have this record of success. Success after success. <laughs> we're, we're huge in uh, several several countries that we don't want to name right now. No. I, I have taken to Twitter recently. And one of my new lines is when someone's kind of like trolling us, I usually, I, I lay it on thick, as you know, about yes. kindness and how we love our listeners and supporters, no matter how negative they are. But now I've also thrown in there, like, it's because of listeners like you that we are able to continue driving Bentleys and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so. I saw that. Yeah, that that part <laughs> is not quite true. But maybe not for you, but it is for me. So oh, good. I'm not, not going to, you know, you, you have, what do you have, the Tesla still? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's called a Jeep Cherokee Tesla. <laughs> Come on. Don't don't ruin the gimmick. Have you watched <laughs> have you watched Young Rock at all? That's one of my new favorite shows. Have you watched that? No, I haven't. Although okay. I, I, I think at the time of recording, Elon Musk is about to go on Saturday Night Live. Speaking of Teslas, well, and it's it's creating a major triggering incident for all these left wing liberals on the show. Yeah, I know. But you have to watch Young Rock because. You were talking about, you know, his his dad, Rocky Johnson, Dwayne Johnson's dad, was all about working the gimmick, which in wrestling terms means that you exude this persona of mm -hmm. what you are on TV, but you always work the gimmick. So that's my advice to you today, Tony, is we always work the gimmick. So rock, you drive rock a Maybach. President. You rock drive a Maybach. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> all right. We have to thank our sponsors. Yes, we do. Right off the top, we want to uh, thank John Mutton and the crew at Municipal Solutions for their continued support as the presenting sponsor you can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca and i know tony you can share a little bit more about that and then roll into our others sure yes thingalodians uh, we want to thank john mutton and municipalsolutions.ca for their presenting sponsorship Municipal Solutions is a really great firm when you're looking for development services and project management, uh, whether you're looking for development approval or permit expediting, uh, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services, minor variants and land severances, and building permits. Go to municipalsolutions.ca and John Mutton and the gang will... Hold on, it says... Sorry, Jody, are you yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, uh, my um, my screen said that I had lost connection. No, you're still there. Oh, shoot. So what, do you want me to start that over again? or? Uh, sure. Okay. Yes, Jody, municipalsolutions.ca for all of your development services and project management needs. Uh, John and the gang are excellent in terms of development approvals and permit expediting planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services, minor variances and land severances, and indeed building permits for all of those municipal solutions needs, go to municipalsolutions.ca. And of course, we want to thank uh, Chris and the gang at Polytrack. Polytrack offers those GR pros uh, a secure hub to store their advocacy data. This includes stakeholder contact details, engagement reports, and key messages. Your advocacy data is at your finger, fingertips, which means that you have less 
compliance and reporting time, and therefore you can grow your practice. It's a win-win solution for all you government relations professionals out there. Visit polytrack.com. That's polytrack with a Q. And mention and another thing podcast when you sign up and you receive white glove onboarding service free, 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 including tutorial and Q&A for your team. So all you GR pros out there, check out polytrack.com. And finally, ThinkDataWorks at uh, thinkdataworks.com, Twitter at thinkdataworks, and Instagram at thinkdatahumans. And there, there is this question, Jody, how confident are you in your organization's data governance? Indeed, over $350 million in fines due to lack of legal basis for data processing and security have been assessed already. But Think Data Works has the technology to help build collaborative and compliant data workflows. So it means you get better return on investment, faster time to insights, and an easier way to discover, govern, and modernize your data. It is a curated catalog of data, and it will get you more than two times business value. So save yourself from fines and use data better. Increase your consumer trust and increase your outcomes. Go to think, thinkdataworks.com. Do you need a glass of water there, Tony? Yeah, yes, yes. It was exactly. a lot of talking. It was a lot of talking there, yeah. You should have just channeled your uh, your old days when you did question period, because I'm sure you did lots of talking. I, but it was only at 35 second intervals on question true. period. Yeah. True. Members members statements was probably more uh... 60 seconds. Yeah. Okay. That's well, what were the got. long ones when you used to <laughs> drone on in the house? That was just your 10 minute speeches, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want to do one of those for like old times? No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited to welcome uh first time guest uh, to the show. I got introduced to this gentleman through the world of long drive and I'm sure we'll have some uh Interesting stories about his time there with WLD, which was operated uh, by Golf Channel and NBC Sports. Uh, he has a very, very accomplished background when it comes to uh, the world of sports. And we're going to be talking about that and, and much more and his Olympic experiences. like It's just so much to, to talk about. You just look at his bio and there's just so much to even go through. I'm sure he's, right. he's proud of being uh, having a degree in journalism from the University of Arkansas. Arkansas. Is that the Razorbacks, Matt? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. okay, so let's welcome Matt Farrell to the show. Woo-hoo. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. Jody, Tony, thanks. This is fun. I'm uh, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, I was just searching, actually, the number one, well, of course, this is according to Bleacher Report, but who the number one NFL player ever to, ever to come out of the University of Arkansas. Who do you think that was? Oh gosh, maybe Billy Ray Smith. Um, could be Lance Allworth. Um, no, he's none of those. He played for the Chicago. Well, this t- he they selected this guy, the Chicago Bears, fourth pick of the first round in 1979. Oh, Dan Hampton. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Good. Good. Very good. <laughs> Again, that's according to Bleacher Report. So, would you agree? With that or no? Well, uh, uh, of course, I've got to support my uh, my fellow Razorbacks. <laughs> so Matt is now the president and founder of Feral Sports Worldwide, which uh, is a very interesting company. It does many, many things in the world of sports. And we'll get into this. I, there's also another organization that you're associated with called, is it Stadion? Stadion? Stadion Sports, exactly. Yeah, which is has does some pretty cool stuff too, but... I think, first of all, Matt, maybe just tell us a little bit about your passion for sports, because you 
you've done a lot of different things in a lot of different sports. Where did where, where was that all born out of? Uh, well, the, the pivotal moment was, you know, my freshman year of college, I tried to walk on the baseball team at the University of Arkansas, uh, got cut, and I, I was one of those rare athletes in time who, who it wasn't the coach's fault. Um, I, I just wasn't good enough. And so um, I got cut, but sports had been everything that I knew. And so I started volunteering in the sports information department as part of the athletic department there. And that led to an internship in sports. And I just, I had the bug and that was the only thing that got me excited. I, I was one of those when newspapers were alive and well, I believed that the front page and the life section were there for the sole purpose of protecting the sports page in the middle. And, uh, and so that's just where it all started. And now you have been kind of a, a lead. Well, not kind of, you've been a leader in several different organizations, including uh, with the Olympic games, including, as I mentioned, the world world long drive and, and so much more. And now with this business that takes you, I'm assuming into a lot of different areas of sport, including sports that we we've probably never even heard of, or that are becoming becoming you know new to us. Um, what's what are you doing these days? Like, tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of Matt Farrell looks like right now. Oh, you, you, you bet, and you actually you, you pegged it pretty well, Jody. Um, I, I opened this sports marketing consultant agency during COVID. Um, and that was out of necessity, which we can get to, you know, later. Um, but really what I've found is an immediate niche and passion for either emerging sports or even startups in sports. That's my, that's really where I excel. And so I'm helping everything from a baseball technology client that's backed by about 15 former major league players and a former major league manager to get that startup going, uh, working on some business plans for a couple golf clients, one in the U S one in the UK. And right now I'm working on a commercial, a long-term commercial strategy for the sport of jump rope and believe it or not, international jump rope, is a competitive sport at an elite level that is an incredible product to view, but most people view it as a, a a school activity, and they're trying to make that real brand transition to 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 being perceived as an elite sport. And, and so you get all of those different aspects of being on the U.S. USA Swimming side, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic committee side, the golf channel side, and using that to step back in time and help sports build up to that level. I know Tony probably wants to jump in with a question, but I just, just quickly on something you said there, and I, I'm not going to deny at all that I, I have no doubt that there are elite athletes that do jump rope, but are, are you, it's kind of, you know, I did kind of chuckle a bit when you said that, but is that the type of thing? Like, could we literally see at some point that the Olympics adding jump rope to their sports uh yes and and, and funny i mean wow your reaction was somewhat common but breakdance is coming into the olympic games oh i know yeah yeah surfing oh, yeah. is coming in and, and and 
you know, a lot of people have that reaction. And then literally a month or maybe six weeks ago, um, Apple and AirPods ran a, ran a commercial featuring jump rope about a minute, maybe even a 90 second commercial featuring jump rope through, through the streets. And it blows your mind. Yeah. And I, I guarantee if you, if you Google that ad and watch it, you're like, okay, I, 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 I can see the vision of where the sport could actually go. Yeah. In fact, a neighbor of mine's uh, kid, she was into this competitive jump rope as she was growing up. So uh, yeah, I mean, there was tournaments all, this is in Canada, but tournaments all over the place. So I think uh, I know how uh, basically anything that can be a competition that uh, involves physical exertion uh, could be an Olympic sport if there's enough interest in it. And uh, now there. I, I want to ask you about this. This is actually my question because you talk about brand management and transition of the brand. Is is that is that the key that there has to be a level of excitement and novelty uh, that will capture the imagination of people? Uh, I, I believe so. And and just I mean maybe some really quick examples is you know baseball and the technology project I'm working on is there, there's a perception of baseball flattening as a sport and how, how do you, how do you reinvigorate it in, in people to consume that sport in a different way? And the sport of swimming was another great example of that, because if, if you, as an outsider, look at the sport of swimming, a lot of the perceptions and barriers to get in that sport, we're, we're certainly learning to swim, but there's, there's a perception of it being very difficult which it is, of course, perception mm-hmm. of it, early morning practices, cold water. Um, and then there's body modesty issues with, with a swimsuit. And so you're a sport that starts with those hurdles to get over, to get involved in it. So as a marketer, you have to come in and say, okay, w- what's the end game? What's kind of the prize at the end that we can promote? Saying, no, it, we're not lying to people saying it, it won't be difficult along the way. Um, but how do you repackage that sport and make it attractive for a, a young boy or a girl and who's eight, nine, 10 years old to try the sport? And so we focused on the fun, the teamwork, the family, the camaraderie part of it to position that sport to encourage kids in this case to, to give it a try. So all of it is, is really just trying to cater to the tastes and sometimes the whims of the society that we live in today to at least get somebody to try a sport. I have a follow-up because I I find this very interesting. And and, uh, uh, you mentioned baseball and there's been a lot of studies done that millennials just, and this is a problem with golf too. Watching a baseball game or playing golf, millennials say dude, this is taking way too long, you know, to get to a resolution. So have you, do you do a lot of studying of, of the millennial attitudes on these things? And does that animate the kind of advice that you give? Uh, You, you, you have to, and there are some sports that will, you know, there used to be a time where you had to adjust and really rethink your sport to think in one hour or two hour programming blocks. And then you look at golf, which is four plus hours, baseball games, three plus plus or minus. Those are already on the outlier uh, end, end of the spectrum. 
And, and so then you start to think, well, how do we package our sport to fit in a one or two hour block? And, and now it's almost shifted to a social media first um, and almost like a highlight driven strategy. And then when you really capture someone that you, the, the, the avid of the avids might watch a one or two hour program on it, on some type of a device, but it almost starts with a 30 second mentality. It's incredible. And, and you've got to probably look at uh, the ever changing social media platforms. So maybe a couple of years ago, it was what, what could be put on Instagram and uh, maybe do a Facebook thing. Now uh, we know this in the music sector. I'd love to get your sense in the sports sector, but TikTok is, is the place to be. If you're, if you're a developing artist and, and star in music, is that, is that something that you would look at in the sports segment as well? Uh, yes, uh, completely. And, you know, it, but then you still have to um, adapt a little bit. A baseball client, Facebook might make more sense. A jump rope client, Facebook makes little to no sense. And then you have to just kind of adapt based on based on the audience there. But TikTok, Instagram, I think are um, are really the core of that teen and tween movement. And then you see all these periphery or ancillary social media networks that pop up almost on a daily basis. Everything from, you know, stars such as yourselves probably being on Cameo uh, to do, you know, recorded videos for a fee. You've got a, a business version of that with Clubhouse uh, starting. Right. And, and so uh, all these as you know, these networks pop up like a whack-a-mole and you, and some of them stay and some of them don't, but, uh, it, it's really as a sport figuring out where you place your chips and where you can be authentic in that space and not be a poser essentially. Matt, I wanted to spend a little time on your Olympic experiences. Cause I'm sure you have some great stories. How many Olympics were you involved with? Um, I was involved with nine nine olympics and yeah a combination of winter and summer there and so wow. i'm not 80 years old or or, or whatever but uh... <laughs> and obviously you had some great experiences at all nine i'm assuming but is there is there one or two that stands out as as like being you know top of the charts for you uh your, your first always stands out and my first happened to be nine, 1992 in barcelona which it, it was the absolute most phenomenal way to start it, uh, of just the, the magic of that games, uh, early in the, uh, you know, the prolifer, pro, pro, excuse me, the proliferation of cable hadn't really exploded like it is today. And so it was a very captive audience for NBC who I worked for at the time also met my wife as a part of that. And so that's always, that that's always very special. Um, and, and then from there, there's just some places where like you were there at that moment. And, and, and a lot of those were swimming being in, in the, in the building when Michael Phelps won his eighth gold medal is just still gives you goosebumps. Um, but then, you know, taking time at the 2000 Sydney Olympics to, 
go learn about wrestling and see Rulon Gardner upset the Russian to win the gold medal in Greco-Roman wrestling. And so there's just all these little special moments and, and even going, you know, in, in, in some Olympics to go watch things you would never, ever watch, whether it be bobsled or table tennis or fencing and just be blown away by it. Yeah, that's, it, it's go, a, go, go it's ahead, amazing. Tony. No, I was just saying I'm I'm such an uh, an Olympic fan. I have been since the '76 games in Montreal, and uh, and uh, I guess uh, from there, you know, Lake Placid and uh, the the American uh, Miracle on oh, Ice yeah. and all those things. So they're just, they're they're these set pieces. And what makes the Olympics interesting is is obviously it basically is like an entertaining drama as well as uh, uh, some excellent um, sporting uh, results, right? It, it's the drama of human emotion, the highs and lows and all that. And um, my only, uh, I've only attended one Olympics in person. That was the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, but I, I just couldn't get enough of it. I was, I was there. I, I think I was there for seven out of the 14 days. Oh, uh, that's I, awesome. Because uh, it was just so magical to have it in Vancouver. And there were so many things going on on the sidelines as well that were really interesting. So uh, I, I can see that. Uh, I, and from your perspective, I mean, uh, is there, you must have a lot of, uh, you've observed a lot of Olympic athletes. You mentioned Michael Phelps. Uh, you know, who are, who are the ones that really stand out in your mind as, as being, you know, almost superhuman? Oh, gosh. Such a great, great question. I, you know, I, I think, uh, of course, I'm, I'm going to have a, a, a swimming bias um, because I just, uh, lean that direction. And I worked at USA swimming for, you know, 15 plus years during the, during the course of my career. Um, and, and, and honestly, it was less about the performances, um, at, at times, you know, I, I say to this day, one of my favorite people ever in the sport is, is Ryan Lochte and Ryan has done some things over the course of his career that have, brought some unwanted attention to him um, at times, but he's just the most genuine, kind soul who greeted my kids when he saw him. And you just never forget that kind of stuff. Um, and, and then, you know, as a part of Michael Phelps's, you know, eight medal run, a guy named Jason Lezak, who pulled one of the greatest relay splits of all time in the 400 meter freestyle relay in Beijing in 2008 to come back and, and beat the French team uh, when the U.S. had been counted out. And so there's there's these role and bit players that you see. Um, and then everything from the 1996 Olympics to a, a swimmer who, who became a dear friend, his name is Carlton Bruner, swam the 1,500 meters, walked through the mix zone to end his career after his race, and there were far more popular swimmers on the time. And it was just kind of emotional to see him make that final walk off the, off the pool deck. So it, it, it's more of that than the, I saw this gold medal happen um, type of experiences. Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot here a bit. And I hope you don't, <laughs> I hope you don't mind just because I got me thinking about the Olympics and, and, We'll see how close attention you paid to other countries, but how many uh, can you rhyme off a couple Canadian 
medalists at various Olympics? Are you, did you pay that oh. much attention? Oh, that uh, that's that's cruel, uh, Jody. <laughs> so the answer is no. Is what you're saying? Well, I, I can I can picture them. Sure, uh, backstroker, <laughs> uh, backstroker from Canada. I'll think of it. Uh, a, a dear friend of mine who actually lives here in Colorado Springs, who uh, swam for uh, Canada, Mike Mintinko. I have Mark Tewksbury. Does that ring a bell? Tewksbury, yes. Thank you. you you're saving me, Tony. I like, <laughs> you. I like you more than Jody already. Uh, what about um, Carolyn Waldo? Carolyn Waldo. And then who was the... Uh, this may have been back in Salt Lake, but the snowboarder, uh, when snowboarding was first um, introduced. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, the the French guy. I I Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. I just can't think of his name right now. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I know who you're talking about. But no, this this you, is you, the embarrassing segment of the. Uh, oh, that's uh, yeah. Of, I should I should know that too, though. But you think of we've had some great sprinters, including Donovan Bailey, and yeah. uh, also our men's relay team uh, back in 1996. So there's been a Ben Johnson, even though he had his medal taken away, ben still Johnson. pretty fast guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, you're exactly right. Uh, uh, obviously, your hockey teams, your curling teams. Uh, yeah, so much success. Yeah, so we're... Uh, Are you guys thinking that? of Ross Rabagliati? Is that yeah. the name you're yes. trying to think of? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Uh, he's quite a character. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But I think he, we've had a couple other um, French guys, like from Quebec and stuff, that have done quite well in like freestyle snowboarding and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. They're very good at that. There, yeah, there's some like, wacky, the snowboarding there, the, they've got so many different races now in the Olympics. There's uh there's some, it, 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 I can see how it was infected in a good way with the extreme sports kind of movement. Yeah. And they, they kind of juiced up some of these, not juiced up in a bad way, uh, juiced up some of these sports uh, to make them much more exciting because extreme sports became a phenomenon. Did, did you see that as well, Matt? Um, just in terms of, of, of how some of these new sports are, are introduced and, and taking yeah. off. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, the, the Olympic world is not known for over over the course of time being the most progressive uh you know body in in sports but i i do have to give them credit that they've made some strides there on on snowboard on surfing uh, you know and and some of those uh you know even bmx type of events to start to really reinvent itself and to your point earlier it's about it's when those those characters and you know personalities emerge that just really become the face of a sport. Even Matt, I know that you're a busy guy, and I don't want to take up a ton of your time. Tony, I don't know if did you have any other. I just had one one quick one quick question, uh, and this this relates to an article I read years ago about the transformation of uh, U.S. sports and entertainment starting in the NFL, but eventually it was picked up by the NBA and, and other uh, major sports as well. And and the NFL got to the stage where they had a hundred cameras on, uh, you know, on the field or like around the field, above the field, beside the field. Uh, and uh, it changed the nature of watching the sport because you could see uh, 
the expression of the linebacker. You could see the expression of the quarterback. It wasn't just a bunch of people, uh, you know, uh, having this uh, scrimmage, uh, you know, from a, from a camera that was, you know, 200 yards away. And that sort of changed the nature of watching the sport. And then obviously other sports caught on. Uh, ice hockey, by the way, it took a lot longer and probably to their detriment. Is, is that something that you've noticed as well? And is that something when you're building brands and, and looking at a sport that you've got to look at it from how it can be viewed from a hundred angles uh, from all of these cameras? I think that's a big, big part of it. And I think people, consumers in general want to, you know, television coverage used to cover the what, you know, some wide angle views of just what happened, but you, you see this appetite for understanding why and wanting to the insights of it. And even in, even in the NFL uh, this year, the name of the camera escapes me, but Fox was the really Fox sports was one of the first to use um, it, it, it was a, an HD eight or something similar to that, where it, was so up close and personal that, and it was so real that it almost looked like it was a blend of a game of, uh, you know, of Madden football and real life. And you're, you're just drawn into the imagery of it and just how NBC or those other broadcasters take you inside the sport to understand right. why things are happening. Um, I think is very innovative and very fascinating right now. The website is feralsportsww.com. I assume is that worldwide? Yeah, it is. Sorry. My bad. It's right up in the corner. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check it out. Tons of information on there. And quickly, I know we didn't get into Stadion, but that's a very cool uh, company as well. Can you briefly tell us what that's all about? Yeah, it, there, there's a, a, an emerging trend in the in the U.S. collegiate uh, space about you know amateurism versus pro and athletes being able to utilize their name, image, and likeness while they're collegiate athletes in in the country. And so it there's there's a handful of states that have passed legislation on it. The federal government has not passed any legislation on it. And so we're starting to help companies and um, eventually athletic departments navigate this new this new world of how a collegiate athlete who was considered a complete amateur previously not able to make any money off his or her name, image, and likeness. Uh, that's going to become a reality in U.S. collegiate sports. So helping companies and colleges navigate that. Very cool. Very Maybe Tony and I will have to go back to school or something. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. or uh, worry about our brand a lot more. <laughs> yeah, you could you could earn that Tesla in college sports. With, uh... <laughs> exactly. See, you've ruined the gimmick, Tony. Now know. he knows you don't have a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, he's, quest, he, he's not one hundred percent certain if I have a Bentley though, because I'm still <laughs> I'm still working the gimmick, so I'm yeah. not. Gonna, uh, <laughs> I'll have to learn from you guys. Yeah, Matt, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, if you ever, if the borders ever open, we'd love to see you up in Canada. By the way, I know you're still in Colorado Springs. Yes. Yeah. So I've been, I don't know if I told you this before, but 
I have stayed at the Broadmoor and played golf there. And so I'm looking for an excuse to come back. So please so would, would love to do it. I have a, uh, I have a, <laughs> I don't like to tell a lot of people this, but I have a permanent room at the Broadmoor that, uh, I usually just uh, keep just in case, you know, you never know. When the Jody Jenkins room. Yes. Well, <laughs> again, I, I didn't want to bring it up. It's actually one entire floor, but that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there, but, uh, but well, no, the Broadmoor is an unbelievable place, isn't it? Oh, uh, it, it's phenomenal. And the golf is, the golf is crazy and the greens will yeah. make, you, make you quit the game, but uh, yeah, it's a no, beautiful it's, place. Yeah, no, it's excellent. Well, Matt, thanks so much. We look forward to connecting again soon and you're, Welcome back anytime. Tony, Jody, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Take care, Matt. Nine Olympics for Matt Farrell. And you've been to one. Is that I've what been you to said? one. Yeah, one. Yeah. That's he it was for working, me. But too. Uh, he, he was working nine Olympics, I think. I know that's uh, that's pretty incredible. It's it's definitely if we ever have Olympics again, goodness knows in this world of COVID, I I, I feel sorry well, the for Olympics Tokyo. Are, they, they're still on for this year, are they not or whatever? Yeah, they're they're on, but you know nobody's allowed to go to them. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, we get to watch them on TV, and they'll be like, where where are they in uh, Tokyo? 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 Yeah. So I'm guessing there's gonna be a lot. Of- Athletes from Tokyo that win medals? Is that No, no, no. The, the athletes will be there and maybe their families, but there won't be oh, you uh, mean the big crowds. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I bet you there's a lot of athletes that won't go to that either, though. Uh, it could be. I mean, it depends on, again, COVID uh, in Japan at the time. And then, of course, is the big controversy for the following Winter Olympics, which are in Beijing, and whether uh, there's a huge movement now yeah. uh, to pull sponsorships uh, because of the uh, the genocide, uh, the Uyghur genocide, and how they're, how they're hitting at Hong Kong and so on. So, uh, you know, politics and the Olympics go together, let's face it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that that one is going to be a full Olympics like we're used to or something less than that. Well, Tony, I'd be remiss if I didn't let one show go by without taking a full swipe at some of the lefties that, uh, you know, <laughs> follow us and listen to us, even though we appreciate them. But um, I just had to point this out because I, I've been reading some of the articles like um, uh, a woman just died in Alberta. I don't know if you saw that article after taking the AstraZeneca vaccine. And again, I'm not, this is not anti-vaccine stuff. I'm making a point here, but she did die and we're hearing more. And I mean, it is happening. I mean, it's, you know, it's one in, I think 100,000 to 250,000, which is, is, is more than people think it's not one in a million. But my point is that I've, I've said to a couple people that have, have from the beginning of this, when I would question lockdowns, their reaction was always, well, how many people are you okay with dying? Because to me, one is too many. Okay, fine, whatever. And now you say to those same people, I do. Well, how many people are you okay with dying from the vaccine? Because I believe one is too many. And they're yeah. like, well, there's risks and everything. Like, yeah. Well, that's the point of everything, like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I did. I got to say, I mean, I we send out our thoughts and prayers to this family in Alberta. I just read the story. Her, fa- I think the last name was Stonehouse, 19 mm-hmm. years old. Her mother got the vaccine because she wanted to travel the world with her daughter. Her, her husband had just passed away from a brain aneurysm in 2019. And now this 19 year old doesn't have a mother or a father oh, and sad. her mom just died of the vaccine. Sad. Again, yeah. I'm not saying that to be anti-vaccine. I'm just saying that there's inherent risks and in everything. There's inherent but, risks and everything. And, but uh, it is sad. And I will say this quite frankly, I know you got the AstraZeneca. Is no, that right? I, no, I got the, uh, I'm team Moderna. Okay, good. So I, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for Pfizer or Moderna. 
So, okay. And yeah, I don't I'm care team, what anyone says. Like Hashtag Team Moderna for me. Yeah. I mean, people say, well, the first one, no, you know what? I'm waiting. I'm not in a hurry to get the AstraZeneca. And it's it's becoming more frequent. Like, I am uh, I have a family member who uh, they have a, 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 a mother, the wife of uh, their friends uh, in Guelph. She's in the hospital. I, I hope she's out now. She she ended up with a blood clot from the uh, vaccine. Oh, really? And stuff. So, oh, yeah, shoot. so you're hearing more and more of it, but... One in a hundred thousand, you're going to hear as the more vaccines roll out, you're going to hear more. Hey, they so jabbed just, 20 million people in the UK with AstraZeneca and they've I had know. a few cases, but yeah. by and large, it's been fine. So yeah, there you go. I'm still waiting for Pfizer or Moderna. That's me. Okay. But. Well, I, I, I will try to do a reference for you for Moderna. <laughs> now, I should folks say too, listening, that was just a joke. I don't have that power. <laughs> I should say too, I was listening to uh, a radio station coming home from Toronto the other day. And uh, Evan Solomon was on, and I did call in because I was getting frustrated at some of his comments. So I was yelling. I was yelling. I was heated. Maybe we should get Evan on the show then. Let's get him on. Yeah, I'd sure. love to get him on. Didn't we try Actually, that before? No, I don't think we've tried Evan. Oh, you gotta, you gotta send him a text. Okay, I'll, I'll send, send him a text. text yeah. and we'll make that happen. So, yeah. anyway, uh, thanks so much to Matt Farrell. Thanks to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions for being our presenting sponsor. We couldn't do the show without you. MunicipalSolutions.ca and Tony. I know you want to thank our other sponsors. Yes, uh, Chris at polytrack.com. Thank you for your sponsorship and the team at thinkdataworks.com as well. And you can also find all that info, all our archive shows, simply by going to andanotherthingpodcast.ca anytime, day or night. So yes, review, it's binge, subscribe, it's binge download. Worthy. It's binge-worthy. Yes, yes binge-worthy. Sure. That's right. <laughs> all right, Tony, thanks so much. Uh, we will do this again in seven days. Absolutely.